Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. A foodie at a young age, Rocco attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York at 16, then got a business degree from Boston University. He made a name for himself in 1997 when he launched the restaurant Union Pacific in Manhattan. You've seen him on Bravo's Top Chef and numerous programs on the Food Network. He's written best-selling cookbooks. He's a healthy lifestyle crusader who sells supplements and healthy snacks as well. I remember meeting Rocco a bunch of years ago just through mutual friends. I thought, of course, I thought he was really cute. And I was a huge fan of his books, his food. I also followed him into his wellness world where he wrote the book about what to eat and what not to eat. I have been following him for a long time, and I'm really excited to go to the restaurant because you can't go to that many restaurants that has healthy food, Bobby-approved food as my family calls it, with other guys that are foodies. Here's my conversation with Rocco Despierto. This is so nice of you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. No, I'm really... Warm, lovely welcome. Oh, yeah. No, I'm really excited. So I almost named my oldest kid Rocco. Oh, I wanted to name Someone talked you out of it? My husband. Our last name is Plofker. Rocco Plofker. listen to your husband. Yeah, Rocco Plofker (laughs) is kind of a funny name, but I've always loved the name. You changed it. Yeah. It's... uh, So do people call you Rock? Uh, So I I get Rock from my family, uh, Rocky from family, uh, Rock from some of my Long Island family, uh, Rocco from most people, and then the other half just says, what's your real name? Uh, (laughs) I'm Rocco. Rocco. Nice to meet you. And they're like, oh, what's your real name? Uh, Yeah, That is my real name. uh, No, but at this point, most people have heard of it because of Madonna. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And so you grew up in Queens? I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. Jamaica, Queens. Have you heard of it? Um, I probably I hope been not. by I it. I prefer you didn't. Yeah, I, I really would. <laughs> yeah, of course I've heard of it. If you can avoid it, uh, you know, probably not a bad idea. Yeah. And what was it like growing up in Queens? Uh, I'll give you a couple of guesses. It was uh, <laughs> uh, violent, dangerous. <laughs> I know it was a you know I I lived in Jamaica, Queens at the dawn of the crack you know uh, takeover, hmm. and so my neighborhood was you know gang filled, and you know it was wow yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was an, it was a part of uh, Queens that Koch had de- designated for municipal buildings. Of course, we went broke in the seventies, so the buildings just ended up being filled with you know vagrants and wh- whoever was strong enough to get into the building, and uh, it became basically an area where you bought drugs. And and yeah. so, what were you like living so there? I was like, yeah. the, no, were you like, like hanging Italian with those kid guys? Wearing yeah, a maroon blazer every day on his way to Catholic school. Uh, Can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. So like, did you get? Did, I was did, shooting. I was target practice. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. No, I, I literally was a very small yeah. uh, Italian boy with a good haircut <laughs> that uh, never wore funny shoes or di- you know didn't have my pants on the ground, I, and I wore my school uniform almost every day um, to go to school. But I also I also kept it on because I didn't have a lot of you know my parents are Italian immigrants. Right. We didn't have tons of money, and so changing your clothes meant you had to dirty another set of clothes that your mom probably didn't get to wash yet. So I wore that uniform all day long, and I was just basically like a walking target. Um, so it was interesting. It was and w- interesting. were you a kid that played sports or anything? 
Uh, not not so many. Sp- I mean, I rode my bike all over the place, yeah. uh, so I did that. I was pretty athletic, yeah. But when you grow up in in like, you know, an impoverished neighborhood in Queens, sports, you know, uh, unless you're like a just an absolute breakout star, you usually aren't part of the thing because you know uh, the the schools don't have sports programs. Yeah. We played intramural hockey in the in the gym. It's like the it's like Chris Rock's upbringing. It's very yeah. similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and your parents was your mom a stay at home? My mom uh, did almost never stayed at home. She tried to stay at home, but um, you know she struggled with this old world, new world thing. She was uh, born in Italy, came to America when she was thirty five. Um, obviously, came here to work, so she worked all the time. But really wanted to be a stay at home mom. So so she always managed to find jobs where she could be home when we left come home before we got back and cook us food. And so she did that. She always worked a few jobs. Um, she, she was, you know, kind of amazing. She did a lot of uh, things very in a very super mom style. So I got to see her a lot, even though she worked, she worked a lot, but she would, she would go work at a deli that would give her like 30 pounds of cold cuts at the end of every day. Uh So we had plenty of food, you know, like that kind of, she was very thoughtful about that. So very pragmatic as well. Um, and we were super close, but I, I do things like go to the, have you guys heard of the Rosemary Society? No. Or uh, Rosary Society. Rosary, Rosary Society. Society. No, I'm yeah, a Jewish yeah, yeah. girl. No. So, okay, so Rosary <laughs> Society is a, is a Catholic thing. It's an ultra Catholic thing where you go and you recite the Rosary, the entire Rosary, for some reason. And my mom was like a devout member of that, so I used to have to go do that with her once a week. And so I was like, hmm. sort of stuck with her. Um, and she was stuck with me, and we'd help with bingo on Wednesday nights. And, were you the baby? Yeah. Were the yeah, oldest? Yeah, I was the baby. You was, were the yeah, baby. Yeah, okay. How many kids? rotten brat baby. Uh, how many kids? Uh, f- uh, three kids. Three kids, three kids and yeah, you were yeah. the baby. Older sister, older brother, yeah. And what about your dad? Uh, he was there. He was a carpenter cabinet maker. He made exquisite furniture. Yeah. Uh, he, he was you know, he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. your love for cooking came from I, I think my love for cooking came from uh, understanding that if I learned how to cook, I could make money and then buy my favorite music. That was a pretty simple way it started at around 10, 11 years old. I wanted to buy an album called Love Gun. Uh-huh. And my mom hated Kiss. Oh, Kiss. my Kiss. Okay. Yeah. So my mom despised them because my room was covered in their posters. Ceiling, floor, everything covered in their posters. And, you know, they dressed crazy and uh, she thought they were the devils. The devils of rock. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, and they'll give you money to buy these records of uh. rock. And so I said, Mama, you know, I need like three ninety five to buy Kiss. It's got a, it comes with a gun. Uh-huh. There's like a folding gun that snaps, you know, and when you're 10, that's a big deal. Uh, so she wouldn't give me, she said, oh, Rocky, you wanted this money, you go get yourself a job. This is at 10. She uh-huh. figured that would be enough right. in case closed, right? I was like, I can get a job. Okay, I'll get a job. Who uh, hired next, you? I know so your the first next job day, at I walked up and down Jamaica Avenue and like by door number six, Sal from Sal's Pizza said, yeah, no problem, man. I'll hire you 50 cents an hour. 50 cents yeah, an hour. Yeah, you scoop Italian ice out front. I was uh-huh. like, I love Italian ice. Aww. This is a great deal so far. Um, and, you know, when you scoop Italian ice, you get to eat the blue ah. first. Okay. Because Have you ever noticed uh, when you go get Italian ice, this may be a 70s thing, but uh, there's usually no blue left. The blue bubblegum flavor is, is the most popular pop- flavor, mm. and there's never any blue oh, okay. left. That's because the guy who scoops it ate it all. Okay. Yeah, and so that was <laughs> that me was now. You. That's a power position uh-huh. in a neighborhood like mine at 10. And uh, it's not from blueberries, right? No, no, no God, no. Why would it be blueberries? Yeah, it's bubblegum, of course. Totally artificial and delicious. Uh, so he gave me a job. I worked 60 hours a week. I made $30, $30 a week. That was a gigantic amount of money for me. And I bought Love Gun and Some Girls and... Uh, the down in Jamaica, we got. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That okay. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was like an epiphany for me. I could go work in this pizzeria, eat pizza, scoop ice, 
make money, buy the album I want, and life was good. And that's how I started cooking. But and I never stopped working in restaurants. Right. Okay. So you've never sold shoes old. or anything like that. No. Uh, no, never sold shoes. But I did. I did do a stint with men's clothes for maybe a summer. I was in college and and uh, I needed a summer gig and some. So you went to college at sixteen. Is that true? Yeah. So I accelerated through high school. Okay. You accelerated that. Like, were you just like really, 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 really smart? No, I, I wasn't smart at all. I'm still not. <laughs> I I think the thing is, I went to Catholic school from K through eight, and then I went to a seminary high school. And they're just so ambitious with their curriculum that you you get your, all your credits so quickly. Right. And uh, I didn't need I, when I moved to Long Island. We went to public school, and they just didn't require as many credits. So I had enough credits to graduate, and I thought, let me graduate, and wow. I'll try to get into the CIA and you uh, got Culinary in. Institute of America. Yeah, I got in about a year later. Yeah. And how was how was that experience? That was really really fun. So uh, I was the youngest in my class. Not surprisingly, and uh, it was just you know full fledged immersion into cooking. Uh, you're interacting with great chefs, with other really ambitious students. Um, you know, I was I was in every club. <laughs> I was the group leader. I was so like gung ho about the culinary world and the career, and uh, I participated in everything I could participate in. Um, you would think I was on Adderall or something, but they didn't have that stuff back then. Uh, it was really fun. It was really fun. I I. I got through there fairly painlessly, did really well, graduated top year, of my four class. Year? No, two year. Two years. It, it's okay. now four years, but yeah. it was two years back then. Okay. You know, it's 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 an. So you graduated. Degree. You were eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so most kids are going to college. You graduated. Yeah. So I graduated, and I went to Paris. I went uh-huh. right. I went right to Paris. Really cool. Because that's where the, you know, the badasses of cooking cooked, right? Yeah. And uh, another funny story. So I went to Paris. Uh, the chef who I was supposed to work for couldn't hire me because of visa issues. There was a big mi- miscommunication about visas. Um, this is 1986. And so he he let me stay in his home until I found a job. And I, I ended up getting a job at Cactus Charlie's. In Paris? In Paris. Cactus Charlie's in so Paris. Ca- okay. Can you imagine what no. Cactus Charlie's sold? <laughs> Tex-Mex oh. and burgers. So they had a okay. hundred kinds of burgers. Uh. And my job was to make the hundred toppings. So I go to Paris, and I'm fetishizing the French, right? <laughs> my whole life as a chef, uh, thinking they're the best. I'm going to work with a Michelin-starred guy. Uh, Jules Robuchon was my favorite guy at the time. He had a restaurant called Jamin, which was a three-star Michelin. I ended up living across the street from Jules Robuchon in perfect irony, uh, but was unable to work for him. Uh, and so I did that to earn some money. And then I worked for free uh, for the chef, Dominique Session, who's a wonderful man who, who introduced me to a lot of wonderful things. Yeah. And, and anyone that's listening, that was probably a moment that changed everything. You worked for free, and that's... You, you did it. And- yeah, yeah. Working for free was normal for us in the 80s. If you wanted to get into a good place, you had to do an internship or an externship or whatever. We didn't call it, it internships yeah. back then. But yeah, we worked for free. Yeah, we worked for free. Uh, and we were happy to do it, right? Yeah. It That's how we learned. Massive privilege to get a job like that. Um, I did that with top makeup artists. Same thing. I believe it. Yeah, I yeah. believe it. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. I was happy to do it, and I, I learned a tremendous amount. He he did work for Joel Rubichon, so I did get to meet Joel and interact with him a little bit. Um, so that turned out really well. We're lifelong friends. He, he and I, the chef Dominique, and uh, his family is you know like my own family to me. Very very lovely people. How many years did you stay in Paris? Two, two, a little over two. Okay. Yeah. And you came home, and what did you do? What was your first thing? Uh, so when I came home, I I went right to Boston University. Um, 
I, I had been planning to go there, uh, but it just got delayed because I was traveling so much. And so I did that. Uh, I got my bachelor's in business. So uh, four years? No. So uh, I, I think you'll learn about me is I like to do everything really quickly. Uh-huh. So I did both summer programs and I was able to get a four-year degree in two, two years, two summers. Wow. Yeah. I was okay. in such wow. a rush. So you know. are smart. I don't know why. You're not smart. You are smart. I was just in a rush. I wasn't right. smart. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So how old are you now when, when you graduated? Like, what's that? How old were you when you graduated? Uh, so because I'd already gone to college and traveled, I was 22 or three or something like that. Yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. then you so kind so of- So my second higher education degree, yeah. All right. So you then you went back to New York and- So I worked at uh, Four Seasons in Boston for a while. I, lo- I was enamored with Boston. I lived in the Back Bay. They still had the gas you know, lights on the streets. It's so pretty there. Um, and I, then I went I started- to college there. It's a great town. Right? Isn't yeah. it so pretty? Yeah. So nice, especially in the Back Bay. Um, and then I started reading about John George and Boulet and all these cats in New York City who were just changing everything. And uh, so I had to move to New York. I ended up working with Greg Kuntz at Les Benas. I worked with Boulet for a little while, and I uh, briefed it with John George at Lafayette. Um, but uh, I ended up working with Greg Kuntz, and that was definitely major illumination. I mean, he... He was able to, you know, at that point I had 10 years of experience and not not the best kind of experience, but lots of solid experience. So working with him and just watching him work and seeing how he thought helped me put a lot of the stuff I'd learned together. And then yeah. when was like the breakout, uh, you know, that made you like a name, a household name? And, you know, before Dancing with the Stars, like, we're, like we'll get there too. But like you, Bob. No, but no, no, no. Trying to embarrass you, me like you're that. You're a household on. name, okay? Uh, you're a household name. Does she do this to all our guests? What's this? No. It's crazy. No. Uh, I think it was a small restaurant that I opened and got a two-star review from Ruth Reichel. So Ruth Reichel, I don't know if you remember, but when she started, she started with a bang. You know, her first review was memorable, and she made a name for herself very quickly. And so getting reviewed by her was massive badge of honor. Um, so I think that that was it. It was a place called Dava. She, I think she just, like, got lost and ended up coming in, and uh, that, was a, that was a big moment. That was a big moment. It was a very, very kind two-star review. Happy and, accident. It was a happy accident, yeah. I think it was, yeah. And then, um, and then years later, she put me on the cover of Gourmet, and I think that's probably a, a moment where you know. And what year was that? Two thousand two, maybe. And then your first thing on TV was right first after. First thing that, on TV was right? no way before that. Actually, yeah. uh, first thing on TV was on CNN FM. I. I don't know if you guys remember CNN FM, but I was a, sort of a guest on that often. And then Food Network in 1998 had me on quite a lot. This is when they were yeah. they had a little office studio on Seventh Avenue. So you, yeah. it's amazing how much you've done, and you're still like relatively young. You saw, and, something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like I, I don't even know Thank if we're you. in Thank this you. you know in this podcast we're going to get through it all, but it's like it's crazy. We'll just have so to do four hours. Yeah, so. we're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. So you've been a judge on Bravo's Top Chef. Yeah, but who hasn't? Come on, let's be honest, right? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. But that's I don't, a shame. You yeah, should I haven't. Yeah. But I don't. They should have you. Yeah, I only like health food, so we have to hurry up and get oh, into yeah, the, we need to get the to healthy that. food. Forget thing, about all the other nonsense. I know. I want to hear about all of it. So you know, it's a typical story: chefs yeah. that like kind of had this good life and said, "This is not working. I can't keep eating totally this stuff." Totally, what happened? So yeah. tell, yeah, tell yeah. us so what happened. So having enjoying the good life without question. Uh, 
few things happened. Uh, and you weren't eating junk food. You were eating really good food. No, I was just food. eating my food, yeah, which was really good crazy food. indulgent stuff. Um, there was a little bit of like creaky chicken from, you know, Triple Six Palace uh-huh. late night kind of thing <laughs> happening. Yeah. A little bit of an addiction there. Who doesn't have a creaky chicken pal- uh, addiction, right, in New York? Not me. I think I would do the pizza if I had okay. to do some uh, bad yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, Same, same diff. Yeah. Um, so you work in the kitchen. You get home 2, 3 in the morning. You want some Chinese food. That's just how it goes. So between my food and the creaky chicken, I ended up, you know, really overweight, really bad shape. Um, doctor had, you know, one of those kick in the gut combos with the doctor. Uh, and then my mom had a heart attack. And then like three other things happened. And all roads were pointing to the same direction, you know. Choose a healthy lifestyle, do better, you know, honor your body better, honor yourself better. Um, and so I started doing triathlons. And you walked away from restaurants. Walked away from restaurants for a moment. I didn't really uh, consciously walked away. I sold Union Pacific. It became BLT Prime. Uh, I just thought, I was working on some TV projects. And I just thought, okay, well, you know, I'll probably have another restaurant in a year or two. And uh, I ended up doing triathlons. So that's that was the big thing that changed Wait, you just went from being overweight chef to doing yeah, triathlons? Yeah, and that happened in the, in the span of just under a year. <laughs> Wait, did you run these triathlons while, while you were overweight or did no, you lose so I, the weight No, so I first? sold the restaurant and my mother had a heart attack. So I had to um, not only take care of her, but I had to learn a lot about how to take care right. of a person who was sick and what that meant. And a lot of it was nutrition. And I started to work with an integrative medicine doctor. So I started working with him to help my mom first because I her her heart surgeon was Dr. Oz and he said you know you have to get her on a natural food regimen you have to get her to eat clean I don't I don't do surgery on people who don't prep properly right which is very very smart so all this stuff was happening and I ended up doing triathlons to help a friend with a charity event I ended up loving it and uh, a year later was doing Ironman and that that went on for years and years and years and while I was doing Ironman I learned how to rebuild the foods that I loved so that they were healthier, better for me, providing me with the energy and sustenance I needed to finish these races. And I thought, okay, well, this is, this is probably something I should share with other people, right? Yeah. And so I went out and tried to sell the book, Now Eat This. I got turned down like 800 times because uh, they were like, you're the flavor guy. You're the indulgent guy. But that was guy. a huge success, that book. But they didn't know that of before. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a New York Times bestseller, number one on day of publication. And um, I only say that because it was a really important moment for me on many levels, obviously for my personal thing um, and because it did prove – that the appetite for healthy content from a guy like me was there. Right. And you were before everyone else, I will say. Uh, in the chef world, yeah. There was there are not a lot of chefs thinking about, you know, Dr. Andrew Weil was there at the time. He's not a chef, but um, the chef thought it was crazy. You know, they thought I was making hospital food. And uh, it wasn't a prestigious world. It wasn't, you know, a world that paid a lot of money. It was really a passion project and uh, but it turned out great for me because I got myself healthier uh the same doctor told me i was going to die young told me i was going to live forever wow. so you know like that that yeah. whole turnaround and, and you're not a guy that lives on rests on your on your laurels but you you know you had a james beard uh you won the james beard award what year was that 2002, I think. 2002. Yeah. And then what year What did you get on the New York Times bestsellers with the- uh, 2006 or seven. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that just kind of, it's an amazing- like, I'm glad you think so. Yeah, no, it's, nice. really, it's yeah. really cool. So tell me about your- So your in wellness. 2013, I started to build a book called The Pound a Day Diet, 
which proved that you could, if you created a large enough calorie deficit, you could lose a pound a day. And so to my publisher, very good publisher, uh, Diana Baroni, wanted me to prove the thesis of the book because I thought of the title before I did the science. How could you lose a pound a day, really? It's, it's super easy. You create a 3,500-calorie-a-day ca- calorie deficit. Because I want to lose 30, five pounds. So it'll take me by next anything. week. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Does she bug you about this weight loss nonsense all the time? Yes. Like, stop it. Stop it. That's why I'm on a podcast and not an HDTV show, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> a makeover show. Yeah. Um, so for people who have serious weight issues, this book was a very aggressive weight loss program, not people like you. Um, and what it does is it essentially re- removed all the simple carbs, the bad carbs, all the sugar. My, I had basically attacked sugar, got rid of it, and created all these delicious indulgent foods like burgers and shakes and all that stuff. And But in order to publish the book with that title, I had to prove it. Uh, with a small group of people, 12 people was considered an adequate clinical trial. I got 12 friends to do it, and they all lost the weight, and they all wanted to continue eating the food. So I put them on the diet that the book prescribed. I supplied them with the food and made it basically granules for dieting, right? So I gave them eight, six to eight things a day. They only had to eat them in order every few hours. And this is still on the market? And it's still on the market, Yeah. So they told friends and told friends and told friends, and eight years later, we're, st- we're still doing this. Yeah. So I have a kitchen in New York City where we produce all the food. And it's, only, and it's delivered to people's houses. It's, it's not in a store. It's not- No, there's, it's there's not in no, any stores, not in any traditional Because it's retail. all fresh. It's uh, better than fresh. Yeah. Better <laughs> than fresh. It's about as uh, fresh, and uh, the provenance of every ingredient is magnificent. I, I work with the same farmers I work with at the Standard Grill and all the same farmers I've worked with my whole life. So you've got, come back to the standard. Yeah, so well, One person called you a line cook. I'm like, uh, I don't think he's a line no, cook. No, I am a line cook. I cook I cook every night on the line. Yeah, yeah. but you're also the head guy. I'm the chef, guy. but I'm also the line. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, but there's, no, there's no shame in being a line no, cook. No, no, there's no. a lot of honor in right. it, actually, I think. Right. Um, I think most chefs have an issue with cooking because the more successful you become as a chef, the irony is the less you cook. Right. right? And so if you're... An executive chef and you've got a lot of units under your you know a lot of venues i should call them um under your belt you have to spend a lot of time you know doing laps and high fives um but the real business of of running a restaurant is cooking and showing people what food should look and taste like and showing them what it looks like to be cooking all the time because it's a little different than it was in 1998 when i opened union pacific people learn how to cook on youtube now and watching you know top chef and Gone is a time where people work for free to just have FaceTime with a great chef. That's so. Just, what are your hours that's just now? Gone. Oh, whatever it takes. No, yeah. no, but you're uh, as whatever a it healthy. Takes. It's basically. But dude, as a healthy lifestyle guy, you have to somehow not fall into the same bad I, habits. It's interesting that you bring that up because I am falling into okay, the same. Okay, well, bad I'm now a health coach, so yeah, I can no, help I, you with it. I, I went, appreciate that. Yeah, I went back to school to get my oh, degree as a health coach. Wow, yeah, very cool. and so it is the lifestyle things that yeah, make the biggest difference. It is. And I've, I've done a decent job, but not as good a job as I should. And I'm going to get back to it. But, it, you know, we just went through an opening. Mm-hmm. And here I'm going to give you the litany of excuses that people give themselves. Went through an opening where it just, you know, anything and everything you've got is required to get through it. You know, review by Pete Wells, review by New York. All Magazine. good. Yeah, yeah. They've been great. They've been very kind. But it uh, it does take a toll on your, you know, any any idea that you have about sleeping a lot and eating well and luckily I, I eat my own food right that helps a lot yeah, so i get that so you're not eating the fried chicken at night 
No, I'm not eating the fried chicken. The creaky chicken is gone. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, thank it's God. gone for my life. No, I okay, exercised good. that for my life for a long time. Yeah, are you um, able to exercise? No, I'm right not. Now. I'm not able to exercise. Right what time now, do yeah. you get to work in the morning? Um, it, it just depends. You know, today it'll be a 16 hour day. You know, uh, yesterday was 12 hours. It just can you fit in any it. kind of walking? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I walk a lot. Yeah. yeah, but I ride my bike, and I need to get back on my bike. That's the thing I need to do. I love riding my bike. Yeah, and, my yeah. trainer gives me this workout that is between five and fifteen minutes for me to do every day when I'm not with her, and I That's have great. to check it off. Wow. She sees it, and they're little things. That's and great. you know what? It adds up. No, for sure. And, you know, all those little incremental efforts add up to a lot. Yeah. I do a thing with my clients where I give them um, a scale, a Wi-Fi scale, and, a, and a f- some sort of tracker. Right. And they put me on their dashboard so I can monitor them remotely and then change their calories right. and, and their macronutrition to fit what they've done or not done. And, and Well, I have all that tracker, but I don't know how to read it. I have a Garmin, and it says, I don't know how to, all I know is understand is the steps. So, you, But your trainer probably <laughs> looks at it, right? No, she doesn't look at oh, it. Oh, okay. No. Well, they can. you can add them to your dashboard and they can look at it. So that's one service that we also provide where we remotely monitor your success or failures. We, we check your weight every day. And we, who's monitoring you? <laughs> Nobody right now. That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. You're hired. You're hired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Well, I just uh, can't read these these numbers. Uh but no, it's important to stay vigilant. Um and and it's been a year and a half and I gotta I have to get back to it. Uh-huh. To okay, good. It. Well hopefully yeah. this will be the the conversation. Yeah, you know, I think it might yeah. be because I, I it's been heavy on my mind recently. Uh last night we were sitting around and uh we were waiting for the last table and uh one guy had a Apple Watch on it, and and his heart rate was very high, and the start of this whole conversation, he was he was at rest, and his heart rate was like one ten, and we started this whole conversation about how unhealthy it is to work in kitchens and what we have to do and how we have to stay vigilant. So, yeah, yeah. no, if you could figure that out, you would be a gift to a lot of other yeah, chefs, yeah. you know. So, but it's interesting since yeah. since now eat this, a lot of chefs have joined the crusade and become health advocates and yeah. lost weight and. Even, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay is doing triathlons now and other chefs are. And so um, I think there was an impact. There was right. an important impact. We've had yeah. Marco from Brodo here. Oh, cool. You know, the Brodo right. broth. Marco yes. Yeah. And we had Seamus. Cool, cool. Yeah. Seamus yeah. is another one of the chefs. Yeah, you must be friends with mass- all those. Aren't am, you guys am, all friends with each other? We're, we're all, uh, there's a nice camaraderie and a lot of us are good friends. Uh, but definitely a camaraderie that w- we give each other the benefit of the doubt before we don't. So. Yeah. That changed yeah. in, in in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. We were so competitive because right. we all cooked the same food, but better versions of you know we all try to cook the best version of the same food, uh, and now we all cook our own food. A lot of similarities in the beauty industry, beauty and fashion to Is the there? restaurant. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know now people are much more giving and helping each other. Okay. And, you know the other the other thing I see is that. Um, you know, I left my company t- three years ago, and I'm now being a makeup artist again. And it's kind of—is that fun? It's really yeah. fun. It's and really your fun. Be so happy. Well, I don't God, really. You know. I don't really. Well, whoever is lucky I, enough. I do, yeah, I do to models. I do shoots. Artist, I just yeah. love doing it. Yeah. And you know, and honestly, it's more beauty from the inside out, which is what I believe in. Mm-hmm. But I also like to go out to dinner, so I'm really yeah. excited about coming to your restaurant. You should come and bring in my kids. Gluten free, dairy free, yeah, all organic, and there's alcohol. <laughs> Another thing I, I became serious about is uh, the provenance of, of ingredients and. Uh, making sure you eat either raw foods or on uh, irradiated foods. Organic foods are very important. Uh, I don't think people understand the amount of pesticide residue that's on most foods and what GMO foods do to your body and over time how they can cause all kinds of you know maladies, including cancer and other things. Uh, so that's that's just as important, I think, as the choices you make. 
so if you're if you've given up sugar, you can also give up GMO foods and conventional foods and start eating organic. It's just as important. Yeah. I use this website, what's on my uh-huh. Uh-huh. It tells you all the pesticide residues. Really? So if you just look up oh. strawberries. Oh, forget strawberries. 48 I mean, come pesticide on. residues. Yeah. You know, endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors, reproductive disruptors. I mean, it's bad news. What's on my It's good. It's good. But the thing is, once you give up sugar, a month later, you won't, you won't really. Two months later, you won't really want it anymore. But I, I, I don't eat sugar, but I like something sweet, which is even the probiotic to me is sweet. Like sure. I, yeah, I yeah. taste, you know. This but is I, a little, it, it is sweetened. What is it sweetened with? It's sweetened with monk, uh, fruit, monk fruit. Or, yeah. yeah monk so fruit. I use monk fruit. I've been using monk fruit for about 10 years to sweeten everything. So you're gluten-free. Are you grain-free too? Yeah. Or, yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm big, big uh, fan of a gluten-free, grain-free diet, uh, dairy-free as much as possible. So is there any breads? Dairy. Yeah, I, I make a lot of my own breads. Yeah. Right. So if you're my client, you'll get you'll get my nut and seed bread. You'll get, yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just sign up now, okay? Sign up now. <laughs> so honestly, Rocco, you've done so much. And, and I read somewhere that you just kind of do it, like Dancing with the Stars. Just talked about that. Like, how was that? Yeah, my mom said it was her favorite show. Aww. I told her they asked me to be on it, and she said, you have to do it all, because it's my favorite show. So how do you <laughs> say no to that, right? So I did it. I was terrible on it. I lasted five weeks. Um, but it was really fun. Was and it fun? Yeah. What's not, you know, They pay you a lot of money. Um, it's really fun. Don't get any ideas. I'm not going on Dancer with the Stars. No, you should. No, Finkelstein over there, no. Wait, yeah. <laughs> wait till you see their hair and makeup departments, too. I mean, I'm sure you've seen hair and makeup trailers like this, yeah. but they are like... Another world. Oh, no, I yeah. danced on stage with Flo Rida and Salt and Pepper. Oh, and my kids enough. call me Elaine. So that's I enough. am not dancing in front of You don't of dance as bad as Elaine. Come I don't Even know. Even she had to make not that. Right? Yeah. She had to make that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I do. Okay, so dancing with the stars. She was adorable, stars. too, by the way. So yeah. any comparison to Elaine is a good thing. Uh, so dancing with the stars was just, you know, a whim. It was. A, it doesn't necessarily follow any career path that makes sense, but it was, a, a, you know, an offer. And I thought, why not? Yeah. So what else? Do you, you know, now you're back in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to do? Like, So what I'm really hoping to do with this uh, endeavor at the Standard Grill is to introduce people to um, food that is healthy-ish. So I'm talking about natural meats, grass-fed um, livestock, gluten-free, dairy-free, all organic. Um, ve- no, I, we don't use sugar at all in anything. Um, I'm, I'm trying to show people that healthy and indulgent aren't mutually exclusive. And I've been trying to do that with my books for a long time, making healthy junk food, making healthy, you know, comfort food. Um, my next book is the keto comfort diet. So, um, I've proven it to myself and it started with the triathlons and now I get to prove it in a retail environment, which is great. Um, until re- very recently, no one would listen to a pitch from me about a healthy-ish menu for a restaurant. No one thought people were ready. And I think it's we're past the point where people are ready. There's a tremendous demand for healthy food out in the market. As you know, it's almost impossible to eat a meal that won't kill you anywhere outside, right? Yeah, it's, it's so, tough. So it's are you, really are you a keto guy? I am. I, I'm a fan of keto, but it's, it's a very specific kind of keto. It's not, you know, bacon and cream and cheese. It's, it's a much more responsible approach. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a paleo diet, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which I think is better than the real keto. Yeah, or pegan, or so it's a lot of plants, right. tons of plants, not a lot of meat, okay. but lots of protein and lots of fiber and uh, not a lot of simple carbs. You know, if you just get rid of the simple carbs, yeah. Unless you're a marathon runner or triathlete. You know? The other thing about the triathlons was it's the greatest diet on the planet. You can eat whatever you want. Yeah. Do you know Levan Bakery? Yeah. So that oh. incredibly indulgent, most perfect cookie in the world was invented because they were triathletes and couldn't 
keep the weight on. Ugh. So they had to create a 1,200 calorie cookie to help them keep oh the weight on. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. 1,200 calories? It's It's gotta be 800 to 1,200. Oh my God. It's amazing. It's amazing. And to this day, they're still amazing. And the, and the owners still bake them. There's one in the oh, Hamptons too. Yeah. So what I'm hoping to do is get people to come to a restaurant, eat an indulgent meal and go, oh, wow, that was gluten-free. That was sugar-free. That was right, organic. So could that you was make, dairy-free. That, that's amazing. Could you, know? you make that 1,200 calorie cookie in your not, way? I can't make it. Not like that, but you can no make can something. Make that cookie. No, no, but can you make something <laughs> yeah, that do, is I like- Yeah, I do all the time. Yeah. So if you're on, if you're on my uh, plan, if you're on my plan, uh, you get yeah. cookies, breads, all kinds of what would people call indulgent things. And I use monk fruit and yeah. dates and things right, like cookies that. cookies and know? bread. I'm yeah. in. I ask everyone that comes in here to answer the one question, which is, what would one thing you could tell the people that are listening today that they could do that could change their life? And it's just one thing, according to Rocco. Say thank you a thousand times more than you do already. If you say it a hundred times a day, say it a thousand times a day. Be much more grateful. That is wonderful advice. You were the first one that ever gave us that advice. So oh, thank okay. you. And where could people find you? You have to have Deepak you? Chopra on. He would have said <laughs> yeah, exactly, the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Where can people find uh, you? Yeah, where can people find you? Where can oh, they, they hear can, more about so you? So here's Everything. the thing, guys. Yeah. If you're one of those people who's been complaining for 15 years that you can't come to a restaurant because I'm not cooking anymore, now you can come to the Standard Grill. I cook there every night. I'm the guy who makes the risotto. So come in and see me. Come in and see me. Make sure you tell me uh, that you heard me on the Bobby Brown <laughs> and, and what yeah. um and where else can they see you on what's your instagram oh instagram is my name rocco despirito and uh I'm, i do some food network stuff so i'm on guys grocery games a lot okay yeah cool thank you so much this yeah, was really fun really fun we have a lot of after things to talk yeah about. for sure for sure that was my conversation with rocco despirito besides i'm gonna work on him and his lifestyle habits i am absolutely gonna eat the food he eats i believe in his philosophy, and certainly his taste buds. And you will see me at his new restaurant, The Standard. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.